0: Back with some gusto for season seven.
1: Could be eight, could be six, could be four. <laughs> I was going to say,
2: what was season seven? I don't know, season <laughs> seven just rang, it, yeah.
0: it rang well with me.
2: All right, well, so we'll call it then. Season seven. We'll have to pitch it to Netflix, i will probably. Yeah. You
1: know, Netflix like doing
0: podcasts now? Yeah.
1: <laughs> um, all right, so we'll talk about, I mean, it's a time of year everybody's talking about goals, but one of our members brought up goals in the aspect of kind of competing versus... GPP or general mm-hmm. physical preparedness. <clears throat>
0: yeah. I, I did, I did want to just uh, real, real uh, quick mention that um, I want to take note that we are doing this podcast based off, well, not entirely, but largely because someone suggested it. Yeah. So if you guys do have some something in particular that you want to suggest, I mean, it's possible that we'll, we'll do uh, something that covers that.
2: Yeah. And they're are, there are usually, we don't get a ton of them, but they're usually pretty thoughtful yeah. questions. I mean you know, give us a lot of meat to chew on
0: coming straight from you guys. And we would know that it's going to reach at least one person. Yeah.
2: Uh, new year. So just real quick, like overview the whole goal setting thing. I think, um, you know, maybe sometimes in my observation as a coach, it gets a negative connotation. Like new year doesn't really change things, but if it's an excuse for you to re reset and maybe set some new goals and, um, you know, kind of have a more positive outlook on the year as, as if it is a fresh start, even if it's maybe kind of an arbitrary thing. I don't think that should be uh, discouraged. So just for those of you out there who are sitting down and being like, hey, you know what, it's a new year, I'm going to make some changes. Don't let anybody you know, discourage that type of thinking. Because I rain think on it's, your parade, yeah. Yeah, don't yeah. rain on the parade, like new people coming in and trying it and um, wanting different things from their year. I think that's all healthy.
1: Yeah, and if you get into, I mean, a bad habit would be to set goals every January and then forget about it yeah. if you get into the habit of like setting goals achieving them in December or by December and then setting new goals in January I mean that's like that's awesome uh,
0: I would just say that um, a, probably a, a wiser plan of attack for setting goals is not get too ambitious from what I've found is that if you're trying to take on like you're completely wanting to upheat your whole life then it's unlikely that you'll actually succeed in that so if you take on a manageable goal, something realistic, then if you can establish consistency with that manageable goal, then you can add things on to that. But make it something that you're not going to fall off the wagon or very easily fall off the wagon. And then if one one of those things that you have ambitions to improve upon doesn't happen, then they all won't, right?
2: Right. And I think it's a perfect time of year to verbalize, too. Like, I've been doing this in classes just during warm-ups all week. Hey, Ted, do you have a goal for this year? You know, and, and just kind of putting people on the spot, because I know people are thinking about it, but um, and some of them will share it, some of them won't, but just to have that put out into the air, you know, and to verbalize what you're thinking about making for changes, and I know everybody is in that mindset right now, so it's it's a good time to just put it out there, because it's going to put you into more of a count- accountable mindset uh, mindset when you said it to somebody, or you've said it in front of people.
0: Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Although to play... Um, I don't know if devil's advocate would be the right word. Um, I've read some psychology on uh, coming from the angle of if the more people you announce a goal to, there there is some research that indicates that if you're making it like a big ordeal, there's some research that indicates that's the less likely you will to stay the course of it. So I can see both like, sides of that.
2: Yeah, like gains of anxiety from like now having the pressure of right. it. Well, I think a lot of it too
1: is you get the same dopamine hit from achieving your goals as uh as saying or announcing them so i think if you're if you are just going around saying like i'm gonna lose 100 pounds this year yeah. i'm gonna lose 100 pounds this year that feels good and it feels good enough or, you where know, you, then you don't even good. have to have yes. it. So Achie- seen, succeed in the goal yeah i've seen studies like that too but i think it's also there's benefit to especially telling the people that you're close to or or people that will have a dir- maybe not a direct effect. Where they can come in and help
2: you yeah. stay accountable to it, right? Right. Then it is important to, to yeah. verbalize it. Okay.
0: So just be yeah. selective, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. And I
2: think in this, like, a class setting where uh, it's typically the same members that are taking class and I'm the same coach almost every day with the same people. Yeah. It's like, uh, it is kind of an intimate sharing of like, hey, I want to, you know, do this. Right. I want to show up four days a week if you don't see me four days a week, you know. Right. Yeah. Chew me out. Yeah. something like that for, for
0: sure people that might have an influence on you staying the course with your goals that, that would be helpful
2: I yeah. uh, I guess that kind of can bring us somewhat into the whole like fitness goals right so um, for most of us I would say as a, as a, a general uh, broad stroke we just want to stay injury free we want to make improvements from where we were last year right and whatever however that shakes out um, but this this specific uh topic or question was kind of on how can you manage your training and your expectations um, when you're in the past you've just trained for general fitness and health and now you're kind of more focused on seeing what you can do in the competitive realm and I think there are some pretty stark changes that have to happen um, you know mentally as well as physically to be successful with that yeah
1: I think the biggest thing is you go from training for general health, and general fitness, or general physical preparedness, so that means you just have a real wide range, and it's just the, the bigger your breadth of, of uh, capacity, the better, whereas if you're going to compete, now you know a specific training, so if you're competing for the open, that means you want one really good workout, you don't need super high volume, you just need to perform really well at one workout, usually a short workout, um, yeah. a week. Whereas if you're training for the CrossFit Games, you need to be able to perform, you know, three to five yeah, workouts. Yeah, volume is to be higher. What yeah. you can tolerate, and, yeah. and day-to-day accumulation of it. Right.
0: The, well, but between both of those, though, I think it's important to note that uh, as far as earning the right to, let's say, compete, um, I think... It's necessary that one first you're developing motor control, right? You're developing that you can move well despite being tired. Um, and then once you've established good motor control, and you establish good relative strength because you won't be able to express what power you have if you don't have a, I mean, a baseline maximum physical potential. Right. Um, then we can pivot off that and. That can help decide if we want to compete, because if we're not able to, if we just started out, maybe it's not such a great idea to go throwing ourselves into a competitive environment. It's going to incline us towards just throwing everything out the window because we don't have any I mean virtuous default movement patterns. It's all just brand new to us. Um, but then also what that I think that does too is having that baseline level of strengths allows us to, I mean, kind of amplify the intensification that would be necessary. In a competition environment. Since we're on the subject of volume and, and competition, I think for just about everyone here, myself included, is that we don't need to have a massive amount of volume to get a to get a big benefit, even if we are gearing ourselves towards competing. I mean, I mean most of us will we're, our, our our competition maybe includes local competitions or it includes the open,
1: right? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Actually, is it? Is your competition like? Do you just want to dabble in competition like for fun, or yeah. do, you, do you want to like really make a run out? Because there's such a, a degree of competition. Like, Absolutely, you, you can yep. do local comps for fun, just like you could, you know, run the Boston Marathon, or you could try to win the Boston yeah. Marathon. Yeah, exactly. Like, there's, yep. a, there's a big difference between like enjoying, and how you train for that, right? Right. Yeah. Big big difference between enjoying the sport just by like throwing down and you know having some fun, or like trying
2: to win. Yeah. yeah. We've we've talked about this, Levi, quite a bit, um, off air, about like as a as a coach when somebody approaches you with these competitive desires or whatever, or even us personally, when we were in the more competitive mindset, like really digging into what is the driving factor for you wanting to do that. Right. Like, getting to the meat and potatoes of like what's what's your end goal? Right? Yeah. Um
0: is it for glory or is it for uh, Is it for just seeing what you can do, how far you can take it? Just curious.
2: And I I think that's a pure endeavor. If you're just, like, you're truly curious what your capacity is like, like, what am I capable of? I really want to find out and I want to put myself in situations that are going to test that. I think, uh, if you're fueled by something like that, then, you know, you you can kind of get through uh, all different types of competitive uh, environments and uh, learn and grow. But if it's just to achieve Whatever, um, say I want to chase use. dopamine hits. You know? Yeah, it could be that, right? It Could be to achieve a status that right. you know people know that you're um, a certain level of athlete or anything that's somewhat outside of your own like validation. It's
0: kind of an esoteric question that you have to ask yourself: like, what am I, what am I doing this for? And uh, it may not, you might not even know right away why am I doing this. And sometimes we just feel compelled, but we don't take the time to explore why do I want to compete?
2: Yeah. And my fo- this is funny, this popped in my head, but <clears throat> somebody raised a question like this uh, once at a football seminar I was at in college. And uh, my football coach got all, like, not angry, but he was like, What are they asking about? Why do you want to do this? Why do you want to do that? Some of us are just competitors. Yeah. And you shouldn't have to explain to anybody. Some of us just have it in us that we want. Right. And I think that's valid too that if, if you just have the desire to not just be in a class all the time or not just train all the time, yeah. but you actually want to, you
0: know... It's, it's innate, right? Put you know, it out like, there. We, I think a lot of us have just a desire to see where how far we can go and how we can go against other people, which I think is... I mean, it is. It's pure in a way. And I think it's well worth doing as long as the you know, prerequisites are met mm-hmm. to be able to
2: right. do yeah. that. I like right? the way you say earn your right to compete, which... It's subjective for everybody, right? But yeah. um, as far as Prospect, because that's the one I can speak best to, is uh, establishing virtuosity of movement as best as you can, and you know, knowing your limits as best as you can. Right. Is that's kind of in a way like, all right, that's you, the barrier to entry. Yeah, in, that's the barrier, the barrier to entry. Yeah. Or else you're putting the carriage before the horse.
0: Yeah. Not getting too carried away with trying to get, I mean, too hot and heavy, too fast before. It, I mean, it's it's going to be good for you too.
2: Yeah. I think, your, uh, Eric, your comment on, on the Open uh, will help a lot of people, too, because I, I think the Open is kind of this daunting thing, like, uh, I need to do something drastically different than, like, my day-to-day training, but really the GPP-style program, like, mm-hmm. Purist CrossFit is going to get you where you need to be for yep. the Open. Maybe you add it, like, we run the open prep here, like, as extra programming. It's really just, like, strategic retests of a couple workouts and, like, extra skill work. It's not like we're adding four pieces a day to increase your capacity across all things because that's not what's going to serve you on one workout.
1: And maybe you can increase, you could spend a little extra time on cardio since we know, like, you know, if you put in a month of cardio a little bit extra. Yeah, just some aerobic pay, yeah, work, it'll, yeah. They'll pay off a little bit, but yeah, it's it's not not extra extra you're put, You know, 30 pounds on well, your back
0: squat. And, and honestly, the thing that if people are, if I was going to give a generalized prescription for people preparing for the Open, um, not knowing the individual, I would say this, it would be those basic lifestyle guidelines that you'd probably want to attack with the, the most amount of increase in intensity, right? Mm-hmm. So if you were preparing for the Open, you, you could still just go to the classes every single day, You could, that would help you prepare, but then if you are on the side in the the, the time that you're not here, you're dialing in your nutrition, you're dialing in your sleep, um, those would carry you so much further than just trying to, let's say, intensify your workouts or add more volume to your workouts. You really wouldn't have to do anything extra at the gym. Maybe some mobility would help if you're preparing for the open, but you wouldn't have to add more volume on and you'd be, you'd shock yourself and how far that carry you if you dialed in nutrition, dialed in sleep and dialed in. Um, stress, management, stress management, all those things outside of the gym, and you gave more if you were at that point where you should. You gave more intensity to the the hour of the day that you were here, mm-hmm. and then the mobility work at the side. That would be the best preparation I could I would prescribe for anyone if they were preparing for the open. Dialing the stuff mm-hmm. outside of the gym yeah, that's, that's going to help.
1: That's almost, you can apply that to anyone preparing for anything. Yeah,
0: exactly, yeah. <laughs> but that's not the sexy stuff that we right. want to like put our attention to. Yeah. Like, I want to do more deadlifts. I want to do more planes. I want to do this and that. Yeah. But that's not really what's going to give us the, the best results. Right, We're going to feel like w- we're putting in more work, so we're going to feel more gratified from it. But it's, it wouldn't elicit the, the, the most effective results.
2: Yeah. And I have a personal bias that I, I try to overcome, but I really do feel more inclined to a lower volume, higher intensity style of training because I think it's – there's more return on your investment. It's it's more um, pure to the CrossFit methodology, yeah. right? Um, and there are some who benefit from a high volume training style, but for the masses, I don't think it's something that you need to like worry about all that much. Like, am I doing enough? Most people are doing too much.
0: I'd say, yeah, a, a lot. lot of people are doing too much,
2: right? and that's especially
0: why. people that are – Specifically, trying to train for competition, it would be the 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 absolute lion's share of people that saying, "I want to train for a comp." They're doing way too much. And yeah, and I,
2: I can also like empathize with that because you do. There is like uh, logical, like if I do more, I'm going to have. Oh yeah, give. Me too. I lived that life yeah. <laughs> far too long. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. Um, I, I've been there, so it's not. Yeah, and
2: I not think there energy, is yeah. there's a line somewhere between. There obviously is a line somewhere between the volume and intensity where you need to find. Um, and maybe as you get closer to your competition, that line changes. Yeah. Um, but on the average, I think prioritizing just having to do more things isn't necessarily going to give you what you think it's going to give you. Right.
0: It's true that like, we, we both have met, all of us have met, lots of athletes. But maybe out of all the athletes I've ever met, there's only been a tiny little handful that actually warrant the volume of like three to four hour sessions. I mean, that's... That's probably those top tier, top of the food chain athletes, yeah. and they, they need gonna...
2: to accommodate. Exactly. Right yep. I mean, Everything is
0: they 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 have to check the boxes and all the basic lifestyle guidelines well before they're going to get much benefit out of bringing themselves from ninety nine point whatever five percent to ninety nine point nine percent. Right.
2: All right. So let's say just I'll give this hypothetical. Let's say we have one of those people who check all those boxes and they have they have the supporting structure to. Make a leap from being like your day to day show up to class person to like, I want to see what I can do in competition. Mm-hmm. Um, what changes, if any, do you think, uh, even if they're psychological, should be made to accommodate that change in goals?
0: Well, it would have to be individualized, wouldn't it? Yeah. Like, it would, knowing the person, but yeah. as far as if we weren't knowing the person, we're just talking about for most people, I would say skill work on the side would be your bit your biggest game change. Yeah,
2: that's what I was yeah. going to
1: say to you. Yeah, I think, yeah, it totally depends on the individual, but you need a baseline of, like, what's your what's your body composition to start because we all know the leaner you are, the better you are at CrossFit. But yeah. then also nutrition would be a big part of that. But then also what's your strength baseline because if you're going to need to yeah. compete and cycle a barbell against others cycling the same – amount of weight, then you want to make sure that that weight is right. Light, you have enough power to yeah. express it. Yeah. yeah. And then, so I think strength and, you know, body composition are like the first things to work on. And then, uh, cause strength just takes so long that it's like, you need to start working on yeah. it right away. Yesterday right. is the best time. So. Yeah.
0: And even like someone, I, 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 a brand new beginner, I wouldn't say should be competing, right? But if let's say that instance happened where they had six months to train and they were wanting to maybe you know, just try the scaled version of the open <clears throat> for most people, but their I mean their first pl- um, priority would be developing like Eric was saying strength and motor control.
1: Yeah, and in and, the beginning, it's strength and motor control are almost the same thing. Like-
0: yeah, and like you get developing strength in specific ways, like say like, increasing time under tension. Right. Like tempo work, um, spending more higher reps, lower <coughs> weight, just to improving your ability to like contract muscles.
1: Yeah, and in, in the beginning, you're going to get most of your strength gains just from purely learning how to squat. Like you could, you could squat for six months if you never squat before with just a barbell, and you'll PR your squat just because you know yeah. you learned how to move more efficiently and recruit muscle better.
2: Yeah. <coughs> Uh, to kind of bring it back to skill work, but also uh, integrating that with a bigger idea or nesting it in a bigger idea of like structural integrity or doing a self assessment. So, if, if you're wanting to make a leap from, you know, my goals the past couple of years just been healthy and come to class and XYZ, and now I want to see what my body's capable of in a competitive setting, first is being honest with like, are there any lingering injuries or things that I haven't rectified, right? Do I have stru- structural yeah, integrity yeah. enough? to ask my body to do what I want it to do. Right. If there's a kink in the armor, you got to take care of that kink.
0: Absolutely, first. yeah, I think I'd not, uh, are you, I'm not to interrupt you, but uh, one thing that would be well worth knowing is actually doing assessments on yourself and figuring out where your restrictions are or where your limitations are, and then you know, that's another plan of attack, I think, is that you can I mean systematically address your biggest, weakest links. And then bring those up to speed because like the open, we're not gonna have a choice to, to avoid this workout or avoid that. It's just gonna come up and we're either gonna do it well or we're gonna I mean just get bombarded by it.
2: Right. Yeah. And I think to be a true competitor, to have that, especially in CrossFit, because you kind of need proficiency everywhere. It's yeah. like take a look at your weakest spot, like you said, and that's that's a starting block for you. All right. Yep. Spend your first couple weeks of in this new you know, goal mindset where you're trying to shift a little bit towards more competitive spirit is invest your time and energy in fixing whatever ailments you've had and get get structural integrity, <coughs> rehab things that need to be rehab, yep. and then from the skill work side to bring it back to that is the skill work should be devoted at the things that you suck the most at yeah. first,
1: right? Absolutely. Yeah, and that that's purely from like a scoring standpoint too. If you so say you're pretty fit enough to get, you know, two hundredth two hundredth place, two hundredth place, but then you don't have ring muscle ups, but you're incredibly fit and strong, but you don't have that skill. Right. And now you get forty thousand. Exactly. You're those gonna those be two hundredth. Way behind just because yeah. you never developed yeah, some yeah. way that's one glaring. That allow you to get one muscle up. Right? right. So those that just from a scoring perspective too, attacking your weaknesses will just limit a yeah. like something that completely takes you out of the game.
2: And everybody knows like that one or two we, I think we brought up goat movements before maybe like season five. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh like everybody knows there's like one or two movements that they do not want to see show up. Yeah. So like those should be right away if you're if you're thinking about like oh, maybe I wanna try competing, start thinking about those two things right away because yeah. <clears throat> You, you can continue getting better at the things you're good at, but if those two things do show up in a competitive setting, you're pretty much screwed, especially the open, because it's like, or the quarterfinals or anything. It's gonna, you don't get a choice in what's being programmed.
0: Right. Or, <coughs> and with those, just while we're on the subject, those goat movements, it's also figuring out if you've if you you've dialed in what you're gonna be the worst at, right? But then what progressions are going to lead you to being able to do that movement in the best? It can't be like, I'm terrible at wall walks. Uh, my best bet is not to just pound myself with wall walks all the time. My best bet is to figure out where I need to start at to get better at wall walks. So that's not going yeah, to um, be such a bad movement.
1: You problem. can't even lift your arms overhead so because of tightness. And yeah. then, so you know, working uh, wall walks over and over again
2: isn't going to yeah. help. It's, it's You're going to be limited in what now.
0: benefit you can elicit. Yeah. This uh,
2: this is kind of a microcosm of this, this scenario, but... I did a PT like two weeks ago and this athlete wanted to work on their squat snatch technique and I was like really ex- excited to like dig into the barbell and all this stuff and we did an assessment come to find out like his ankles were just like not working.
0: Yeah, right? they,
2: they, they, they had nothing, yeah. So to get into a proper like position to s- overhead squat right. was just not happening that day. Yeah. Right. So instead of like uh, diverting all this time and kind of like making pretend like the ankles are fine, we spent that hour on like Ankle mobility, um, different types of exercises that are going to help open up the tissues. We still work the overhead position too, but instead of like just, you know, glazing over the fact that your ankles don't work, kind of just wheels in the dirt, try to do something they're not ready to do. Yeah, let's hold off on perfecting the squat snatch until you can squat to death. Yeah. And I think that approach, uh, that self assessment or with a coach's eye can be applied to any like hole in your game. Yeah, absolutely. Because you know, yeah. there's probably something that needs to be uh, focused on that might not even be the skill itself.
0: Right. You know? And that's, it's more normal than not normal that someone's going to come in there and there's going to be some movements that one, they should be very cautious of. Um, it's very rare that we come in and everyone can do everything without any problems. So, but knowing what those movements are that are, are going to be your, I mean, your biggest, your biggest challenges, like a squat stance for a lot of people, a lot of people, um, maybe they shouldn't even be doing squat stances yet because it is such a, it's such a, uh, such a high degree of, of, of both skill and mobility that it's, it's very hard to come in off the street and be able
1: to do that without having, having a, uh, progressed your way there. Yeah. There's like a quick, <coughs> great example. is a woman just started in Milford, she was like super intimidated to start CrossFit. She's like, I don't think it's for me. But I want to give it a shot. All I've been doing is running and yoga. And yep. She came in and like she could squat snatch on day one because her mobility was like That's phenomenal. Yeah, awesome. Yep. Right. And then you have someone who's like, "Yeah, I'm a I'm an ex football player. I've been right. lifting weights my whole yep. life, benching like every day, and they can't. Yeah, get they it can over. barely. It's they like can barely get over their heads. It's head. probably yeah. gonna be a couple of years before right. you can squat snatch. You know? So. Yeah. Um, but I don't know I just thought that was a pretty well
0: good. yeah I, that's, I use that example all the time when, when I'm talking with um, athletes is that like if someone comes in with great mobility you can teach them to squat snatch decently well in, in an hour but right. if they come up with
1: terrible mobility it might be years or might be never that they actually squat right. snatch right? Yeah. so I guess to finish off like the competing side of things if your goals are to compete then yeah find your weaknesses attack those and then you know build up a baseline. Build up your volume slowly, depending on what your what your end competition is going to be. Whether that's open, local comp, or the the games, or you know, a qualifier.
0: But but this this sparked the memory of mine, um, and I haven't heard, seen this in a while. I wonder if you guys have. Sometimes it's uh, sometimes every once in a blue moon I'll have someone that has very little experience that comes in and, be, and tells me um, I want to go to the CrossFit Games. I want to win the I, I want to win. So, I think it's important to have realistic expectations about what you want to do. Maybe that is something that in the back of your mind you're like, I wonder if I can win the Boston Games. But that shouldn't, that definitely shouldn't be the first thing that you think of when you say, I want to start competing. Right. It's, you're going to be so disappointed when that doesn't happen. You should right. be like,
1: I just want to compete and then see what happens from there. Yeah, <laughs> that reminds me of the story Chris Spieler told of a guy coming into his gym. I was like yeah so I went across the games uh, last week on ESPN and like I really want to like compete and and go to the games like yeah. do, do you know anything about that <laughs> Chris Taylor's like of course he's been there like, yeah. 11 times or whatever but uh, she was kind of like laughing and because it's it's not like such an easy answer you know like yeah. Like it's very hard, and, right? And there's very <laughs> there's very small rewards. That yeah. <laughs>
0: are,
1: nothing really as hard financially. It's right.
0: Worth putting all the effort in, right? Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, I think it's important, just from a coach's perspective, to have that level of honesty with your co- with your members. Not not ever to like uh, I would never want to discourage somebody's goals, right? but if they brought me a goal that I I viewed as like that's probably not in yeah. your wheelhouse. I'm going to say it not in a way that's going to belittle somebody. Yeah, exactly. But yeah. On, these, on the flip side, if somebody's like, hey, I would like to do this, I'll be like, yeah, I think you could do that. I mean, it's
0: your responsibility based off, I mean, the professional experience to keep people reined in to something that, that's yeah. not going to disappoint yeah. them. Right? It's
1: not even a matter of like not believing in them. Like you could you could say, all right, well, this is what it's going to take. Are, yeah. you, are you ready to put in 10 hours a day? And in the end, maybe you'll make $20,000 a year. If
0: you come in top <laughs> 40, Get <some> and, protein, <laughs> probably. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. It's
1: like, yeah.
2: It's, well, it usually does boil down to like, all right, what what do you want to do it for? Like, right. And yeah. you kind of get to that uh, like kernel, and that, that can dictate whether they go for it or not. So, I don't know. And then the other side too, like sometimes people that have a ton of potential don't see it in themselves. Like this is the flip side of the coin. Yeah. Maybe you need to be like, hey, you're really really good at this thing. Maybe you try seeing you know yeah. what you can do with it. Yeah. Yeah. You like like, to, like Nelly with Olympic lifting, right? Right. Where you're like, hey, you have a ton of potential if you really like it. Oh yeah, in that side.
0: happens too. I mean, that's kind of a Cadillac problem to have. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it doesn't happen all that often, but Yeah, we had an older
1: woman who like she said a national deadlift record here. Oh, yeah. really? Because in her age group, I think it was like 50 or, 40 yeah. or plus. Yeah, not a whole bunch of people deadlifting. She doesn't yeah. even know. You know yeah. Oh, <laughs> she doesn't know she did yeah. it? Yeah, we like Googled it after. <laughs> like,
2: I wonder what like the world record is for the, you know, IPL, the yeah. powerlifting league. And it was like 20 is She plus.
0: And she was, she's beating it? Yeah. Oh, wow.
2: Yeah, it's yeah. cool. So.
1: I guess, so some other, beyond competing, like what are the most common
2: goals you guys here coming in here like what do people usually the say their goals are? My my number one because it's almost everybody's that they say is consistency. They say I want to. That's a good goal. I, like I want to come X amount of days. Yeah, that's. <clears throat> I hear that a lot. Like you, to yeah. get their schedule, you know, concrete. That's kind of like if you wanted to
1: train or if you wanted to reach the goal of consistency. That's kind of all about setting habits and right sticking to them. Yeah, weight loss is a. Big one So weight, weight loss, loss. A lot. Yeah. Most new people coming in most is like, people. I want to lose weight. Yeah, and, and it's funny to, like, I don't want to uh, sound like our exercise is useless, but like, if your goal is weight loss, then like nutrition. It's, yep, is your, nutrition is where the money's made. Yeah, there, there's like, not to get down a wormhole, but like, Gatorade, sugar companies, they've spent billions of dollars convincing people that. You can eat whatever you want as long as you exercise. You're going to get fit. right, but yeah. Uh, and you know, drink their sugary products, and and as long as you exercise, you're good. But the when it comes down to it, there's no all the studies you can't outwork that, yeah, bad a, a bad yeah. diet. Yeah, yeah. All all or studies nutrition. show that exercise doesn't impact your weight right very much at all.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So but I think that's important that we we we. so much emphasis on it though too i mean we're pretty much bombarding people yeah it's the foundation Mm -hmm.
1: of crossfit so i gotten a lot of people are hating on me when i posted (laughs) this on facebook but if you're eating sugar and you're not if you're not focusing on your nutrition you're not doing crossfit because that's the foundation of our our program and people got all excited who got uh, just, I just, I don't want to. But, you know, <laughs> oh, that's know, for season eight. Yeah. 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 They, calling they, Netflix will yeah, cancel Yeah, they us. took it as like, in a, you know. In a, I, I a thought it might be some random strangers
0: song, but, but, yeah. Yeah. That, that were doing it. Yeah, yeah. but it's,
1: it is, I mean, and it's not from a, an attacking point. It's just like, if you want to be a CrossFit, live the lifestyle, like nutrition is yeah, like you've a got huge to, part. Yeah, you've got to be mindful
0: of that. Who, yeah,
1: right. it, I mean, who's to say how intensely
0: you are mindful? Right. But you have to at least be something that you that you, that you think about, right?
2: Right. Yeah. And I'll I'll caveat like obviously maybe you do mean this, maybe you don't. But like if you have a couple grams of sugar in in foods that you do eat, that I'm I i do not think you mean to say like you don't do CrossFit at that right. point. But yeah. if you're somebody who doesn't even care about right. discipline and nutrition, and don't care about like
0: sourcing, don't, eating,
2: don't care about eating cake. Capes eating all those. the time and yeah. going to fast food all the time. <clears throat> same point Drink, as like drinking soda is like, yes, then you're you're really not. Yeah. And same as like bicep curls, like I'll do bicep curls every once in a while. Yeah. But
1: I'm a cross fitter. I might dabble do some curls. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> it's functional. Yeah. But um but you know, it's the same. You can have sugar and some grains every once in a while or whatever and uh, that doesn't mean you're going to CrossFit Hell and you can't say you're a <laughs> yeah, cross trusted like, You're banished. Well, like, excommunicated, say, you know, yeah. So but if you just want the, yeah. No, yeah, yeah, do do you want to earn all it's the foundation. Yeah, if you want to follow yeah. the methodology and, and pursue it, then
2: cross is the foundation. Right?
0: So, cross right. fitness. It's got to be the foundation, you know?
2: yeah? Yeah. Yeah. It is kind of, I think for the layman, could be misleading because people associate fitness with just physical endeavor, right? Yeah. But like, I, I did a couple elements today on like day two, we do recovery, nutrition, sleep and stuff. And I'm like, this is so much big, this is so much more a part of what you're going to get out of this than just coming to class. Right. Like the time outside of the class. And that's
0: where your money is. That's around. where
2: everything happens. The yeah. time here is just a stimulus, yep. just a catalyst that's going to help perpetuate yeah. change, but if you don't do this stuff you don't eat well you don't sleep well you don't it matters uh, so much cover. more yeah. yeah and there is benefits from exercise like you know heart health
1: and and it does boost your metabolism the more muscle you gain and that's going to help a little bit with weight loss but it's not like it's if if your goal is weight loss and to get lean like it should be 95 yep. yeah.
2: like think, all right, All here's let's put this analogy out there is it easier to do a 1000 calorie bite or to just eat a 1,000 less calories in the day. Right. Right? Like, to, to get that same benefit. Yeah. Like, how much physical exertion you have to do to have a 1,000 right. calories. Right. You'd have to burned. be
0: going all the time, every day. Rather than just eating less diet, calories. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like, you'd have to be eating while you're... You'd have to be working out while you're eating in order to be able to spend enough time even to make a tiny dinner.
2: But, but <laughs> yeah. The, the whole, like... Uh, you know more lean mass is going to help you keep lower body fat yeah m- most of the time if you're doing high intensity exercise so that's definitely something uh as a goal that is worthy um but yeah nutrition is yeah nutrition is everything and crossfit is all
1: about metabolic health like processing yeah. food in the best way possible and that's why nutrition is the foundation cuz you know the goal of crossfit is metabolic health and- and food is the, is the base. All right, here's a
2: touchy subject. I don't think you brought up on here before. But it, it definitely, uh, it be- it beckons itself from this conversation. Can CrossFit as a health methodology and CrossFit as a competition or a sport coexist? Or are they two different things? Because I have my view on it.
1: Yeah, I think, I think it can. It's just a matter of, like, the sport is more like the, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm guessing... That you're saying that it's it's kind of
0: uh, it's veering off from CrossFit, it's too much geared towards sport,
2: right? I think the the pure sport of CrossFit is not is not uh, indicative of it, or is not supportive of a healthy lifestyle. Yeah,
0: yeah,
2: that's true. Yeah. Agree. but I think the layman CrossFitter who follows the methodology and, and eats well and comes to class and doesn't overdo it has a, a, a healthier probably like from like a true blood panel side yep. of things it's right. probably a healthier person than the person who's competing at the games right and I don't think people I think people view like a games athlete as like the picture of health it's like they're the picture of fitness yeah right or they're the picture of peak fitness for one moment which right. isn't necessarily long-term health
0: well and yeah. another way to look at it is is that if you took two people, let's say you were magically able to have the exact same variables, right? One person they they came in exactly the same, everywhere from their nutrition till their their sleep till um, their level of fitness, from from uh, inside out, from a, a to Z.
2: Like a clone, right? They had
0: two people came in, and then one person goes in, and they've got all the like the basic lifestyle guidelines the sleep and the eat, the eating, and then they came in there for an hour a day and did their thing. The other person had massive amount of volume, and they trained like a madman, they were training three, four hours a day, I think, beyond a shadow of a doubt, this person that had all the outside stuff would just absolutely skyrocket past this person that had the volume. In terms of, like, physical
2: progress and yes, health Yeah, in product, terms of phys- yeah. if this person, that didn't have
0: anything going on. They didn't pay attention to their diet, didn't do anything at all
1: outside of, besides train like a madman. Yeah, and long-term health, especially. Right. Like, looking at them 20 years down the road, there would be a drastic...
0: If this difference. if if this guy was training the right way when he was at the gym,
2: yeah. I
0: think he would just blow the guy with all the volume out
2: the water. Yeah, yeah. and I, I also want to um, make a little addendum to what I said, where I don't think <clears throat> I don't think competitive CrossFitters are innately un- unhealthy. That's not necessarily what I meant to say, if that's how it came out. Um, but I think <clears throat> there's sacrifices to your overall big picture health yep. in any comp- high level competition. Anything you do that's imbalanced in that way. That's just it. Is there's imbalance in your life right. to get to that level of, of athlete yeah. or of anything, you know? And and when have to that,
0: sacrifice a lot. You have to
2: sacrifice a lot. Yeah, and you're asking a lot of your body over a long period of time. Yep. You know, So if if you do it right and you cyclically train, uh, like most crossfitters now are privy to, um, like going through you know periodization throughout their yeah. year, when they're not just hammering high volume all year long, like people did 10, 20 years ago because that's what yeah. they thought you needed to do, then I think that's a little more coexistent with with like the health side of CrossFit, um, and that could coexist. but right. if, you're, if you're just like, hey, I just need a hammer all the time, more than everybody else, that's how I'm going to get competitive. That's not going to work well right.
0: for you. It's You have to get to a certain level before it, that would even come close to being effective for you, as far as even just winning a competition. Most people would, that would serve them to do the best of the competition.
2: What are your thoughts on like the two heads of the dragon? You think they're, like, do you think they ex- exist together harmoniously? Or
1: I'd say like CrossFitters as athletes are probably the healthiest athletes because they, they are such, they need such a wide variety of, of, uh, performance indicators and they, they value nutrition. But I think, uh, I think that, yeah, it beats up your body at such a high level to the point where it's not sustainable and and they do go beyond what would be considered healthy. So, like, if you're just training to be healthy, then you don't necessarily need to also... Right. Yeah, if you are just training to be healthy, it's going to be different than training to uh, win the CrossFit Games. Yeah, so, for sure. Yeah. Like, re- even... Even ring muscle-ups and stuff like that are, I think, not... You don't need to have those to be healthy, but you need them in the CrossFit Games, and then maybe those are a higher risk for injury. So if injury is a part of health, which I think it is. Yeah. Um, even that aspect, too. Yeah. We talked
2: about. That's, like, what... The whole weighing the odds thing, for mm-hmm. the concept of, like, why are you doing this? Because there's going to be sacrifice you're going to have to make. There's, yeah. It's the is the juice worth the squeeze, right? Yeah. first reward. Yeah. Um, especially when you're going from somebody who's trained just for general health for a long time to, uh, all right, I wanted to take the next step. <clears throat> that's I think that's awesome, and especially if you have the ability to do it. Yeah. Um, you just got to kind of, you know, ask those questions. Right. It's almost like the games is kind
1: of like a lab where they're like figuring stuff out. And I think by now they've figured a lot out. But in the beginning, it was kind of like the... They were like the lab where they figure stuff guinea out, pigs, and yeah. then you roll it out to the rest of the population. Right, yeah.
2: But just kind of cool thing. Like you're, you, you were like a physical guinea pig for the human race to see like what's capable yeah. for a person to do. Like what type right. of beating. Can <laughs> well, put and on it's on also the with the, those those guys. They're like
0: <laughs> the fringe of guinea sport. When you're at the fringe of it, there's a higher likelihood of injury. Like if you look at snowboarding, snowboarding's not all that dangerous if. We're just floating down the bunny slopes or going down just normal ski mount. But if you're going up half pipes and doing all sorts of crazy stuff, then there's a good chance you're going to get busted up. Yeah. yeah. So that injury prevalence is, is, seems understandable too. Whenever you look at all the, the massive amount of volume that they're doing, they're just putting their body through the ringer.
2: And there's a di- direct correlation between the level of competition you want to get to and the amount of risk involved right, right? like exactly. if you yep. just want to do well in the open and go to quarterfinals like i think that's a pretty safe endeavor regardless of who you oh are. Yeah, yeah yeah you know you you can make as that happen uh, you check the right boxes to get there yeah? as long as you check the right boxes yeah
1: and one i would say just like one thing is the if you're pursuing competing at crossfit that's probably the safest and the healthiest pursuit as far as sports like i can't think of another sport that it gives you all the health markers of bone density, muscle mass, cardiovascular health, metabolic health. Like you know, there's very few sports that have a side effect of health as much as crossfit. Yeah. But if you, just like anything, if you turn it up too much, then you're gonna the you safest. Take the risk.
0: Well, what about pool? Is that a sport or is that a game? Pool like like table pool
1: like, Yeah. like balls? Like yeah, is that a game? Billiards. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Sport. <laughs> <laughs> to, I'm racking my brain to come up with safer yeah. sports. It's the second time we've been canceled on this episode. Safer than not healthiest. Right, Because pool like you probably yeah, yeah, shoots, <laughs> yes. yeah, yeah. Badminton, yeah. Like, I even think of like competitive runners, right? There's probably a higher, I don't know. Oh no, running just, like, the highest injury rate yes. for any like athletic competitive competitive endeavor is yeah. running, yeah. Because like you you said this with the CrossFit, that there's such oh. a breadth of movements that you have to do, and you're you're focused on other things yeah. that are going to support that. But if you're just like uh running or biking or rowing or whatever, and that's all you do? That overuse of that one system?
0: Well, running is particularly interesting because, I mean, that's our innate skill, right? But the running is injurious because we have mangled our innate skill, our God-given gift, is that we're running terribly. So that same kind of concept applies to if we're doing a lot of things wrong in, in the other movements, too, if we're not moving with virtuosity then those two are also dangerous so we've got to make sure that we're paying mind to moving well
2: yeah that kind of brings back to the very first thing we said or, or when i asked you uh, you know what where where's your mind go when i say competition and you said establish better movement patterns right yeah. or establish virtuosity movement before you try to turn up volume or intensity because there's no use in turning up the volume of things you're doing if you're doing them wrong. Yeah, you're exactly. You're doing yeah. them more wrong right. more time. And
0: just amplifying <laughs>
2: your path towards something bad. Yeah, so I think for anybody, for any goal, physically, that's probably a good place to yeah. start. Yeah.